Good morning. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. Yes? Are we sure? Amen? All right, outstanding. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. Our scripture reading will be Matthew 27, starting at verse 32. Um, So if you have a Bible, please turn there, as I am doing at this time. I'm going to go to Matthew 27, verse 32, and then 33, and then I'm going to go down to verse 57 to 60 in the same, same chapter. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Now verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered it to be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a linen, clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. May the Lord add a blessing to his word. Before you sit down, turn around, give each other a a hello. Just glad to be here. Joy, hug, handshake. Happy summer day we have today, huh? (laughs) That's Long Island. It goes from 60 to 90 in one day's time. Uh, So let's just get this together. You guys are done saying hello and greeting each other? There's not more to say, not more to do? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Before we enter into God's word, let's have a word, word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we again, we're thankful to be here today, Lord. Uh, Lord, we, it is a joy for us to be here today, and we're thankful for the ability to set apart the time and to honor you and to worship you. We've done so by pouring out our song to you, Lord. Now we desire to hear from your word. Whatever distractions there may be, whatever even discomforts there may be, may we put it aside and just focus entirely upon you. We thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the sermon is is called Compelled to Serve from Matthew 27, verses 32 and 33, and then 57, 60, and there's a few other passages along the way. Every Good Friday, there are sermons, there are teachings, and there are devotionals about the seven last words, last phrases of Jesus. Every year. And within, these, within, these, uh, the, within the resurrection narrative, within the Easter narrative, we know of the main characters. We know of Mary and John 
and the thief on the cross. These, 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 these parts of this story are as familiar to us as the Christmas narrative where we know all about the wise men and the shepherds and all of those in those stories. But within the, the, the resurrection story, within the, the Easter narrative, there are those that were at the cross that don't get a big mention in a lot of sermons. Today I want to look at two of those gentlemen. Two, two people who were dramatically affected by the cross. One was a stranger to Jesus. The other was a secret disciple who would then become a public disciple and give great honor to the Lord. And both of these men, one was Simon of Cyrene and the other one was Joseph of Arimathea. Both of these men were compelled to serve. One as a matter of law and the other as a matter of of will. And as we study these two, ask yourself this, how am I like these two men? And what can I learn from them that will challenge my faith to be compelled to serve my Lord? First is Simon of Cyrene, Matthew 27, verses 32 and 33. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And also in Mark 15, 21, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. And the third gospel, Luke 23, 26, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made, it carry, made him carry it behind Jesus. So at this point in the, in the Eastern narrative, Jesus is carrying his cross. He's carrying his cross to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And what's interesting to me, the reason there was a place of the skull is because the Romans would leave the, the bodies on the cross of the criminals and let the vultures eat away at the, at the bodies until there was nothing but bone left. That's how it got his name, the place of the skull. So Jesus is carrying his cross to this Golgotha, and he's beaten to death. So he's, he's beaten nearly to death. The object of a Roman torture before crucifixion was that they would die in the torture, not in the crucifixion. So he was, he was having a great deal of difficulty carrying his cross. He was going very, very slow. He was probably falling under the weight of this cross. But the Romans were very impatient. They must have had a lot of people to crucify that day. So they grabbed a random man from the crowd. They grant, this man is identified as Simon of Cyrene. This is a man who traveled very far with his two sons, his two boys, to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Now, interestingly enough, in Jerusalem, the Cyrenian Jews had their own, their own synagogue. This is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Now, he's a random man in the crowd. Simon did not want to carry the cross. 
He did not want to do it. But he had no choice because the Romans compelled him to bear the cross for Jesus. Under Roman law, any person could be required to carry a load for another person for a mile. This is why Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, when he commands his disciples, he had given the commandment, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Or in the modern terminology, it's like, go the extra mile. So Simon is in the crowd, he's, he's only passing by with his sons. He's only passing by with, with Alexander and Rufus. And, but he's compelled into service to interact with the beaten and nearly dead Jesus. Simon would carry the cross to Golgotha for Jesus. He'd be walking behind Jesus, seeing Jesus bloodied and suffering and tortured. And then he would watch as Jesus would be crucified. Well, how did this affect Simon and Alexander and Rufus? Simon was not a follower of Jesus before the cross. But there is biblical evidence and tradition that says that Simon and his boys and his family became believers and followers of Jesus. And they were known by the church. At this time, think of this, as Simon is asked to carry the cross, no Roman authority is going to come talk to, 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 to Simon afterwards and get a record of his name for the crucifixion. So Simon either sought out the church or the church sought out Simon for Simon's witness in carrying the cross and the crucifixion. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, they would know, they would recognize Simon because they were there. Also, Simon, Alexander, and Rufus were named by the gospel writers. And Rufus is believed to be part of the Roman church and greeted by the Apostle Paul in Romans 16.13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. According to church tradition, now this is only church tradition, Simon of Cyrene was an African Jew who was of the same as Simeon of Niger in Acts 13.2, who was a teacher and a prophet and a church in Antioch. So what effect did carrying the cross of Jesus have for Simon and his boys? There's not strong, clear evidence from the, from the scriptures as to what the effect is. But clearly, Simon was chosen by God with a special, special, special purpose to meet the Savior in the most difficult of circumstances. Simon was a random man in the crowd. He was known by no one except God. God chose Simon to meet Jesus and to carry his cross. And what happens after that is unknown. But hopefully the story would end in believing and serving faith such as this. This is my, my thought about a possible story of what may have happened. Simon did not know Jesus. But he learned about Jesus after he witnesses Jesus' pain and his blood that Jesus shed. Simon would seek out the Lord's followers and hear the gospel and he would know at that time that Jesus had gone to the cross and paid the price of his sins for him and his boys. Simon would know that Jesus was compelled to serve him with the sacrifice of his own body and his own blood on the cross. As Jesus did not need to be compelled, he was compelled because of love for you and me. 
He was compelled because of our, our salvation that would be brought to us. The same for Simon. Simon may have been compelled by the Romans to carry the cross, but Jesus went to the cross freely, freely for you and me and for him, for our salvation and for our blessing. And it was a great cost, his own body and his own blood to be shed. This is what Simon would learn. And the impact of Jesus' sacrifice for Simon's sins would bring Simon to repentance and believing faith, and he would become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the conversion of Simon would affect his sons, and then would affect his wife and his family when he went back home. And they would all join the church and become part of God's plan. That's the good news. That's the good story that I hope and I pray had occurred. Or the opposite story may also have occurred, and it would have been remarkably sad. If after carrying the cross and meeting Jesus, Simon would walk away and reject God's gift of belonging to his son, what a wasted opportunity that would be. So which Simon are you? God calls and you respond in believing faith. You become his child, you become his disciple, and you're blessed by God. Or God calls You hear the gospel and you walk away and you reject the Savior. What a sad story that will be, not only for your life today, but for your eternity to come. That was Simon of Cyrene. Next is Joseph of Arimathea. Turn, if you would, to Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. As evening approached, there there came a rich man, from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Arimathea Joseph was from Arimathea. Arimathea was a a city of the Jews in southern Samaria. But Joseph lived in Jerusalem because he was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. And ultimately, he would buy a tomb right outside of Jerusalem, very near to the crucifixion site. And in his tomb that he would buy, he would buy this, this great tomb of a rich man that was carved out of a cave and had a beautiful garden next to it. Joseph would spend a lot of money on his tomb for him and for his family. This tomb would be very nice, very expensive, and Joseph ultimately would give it to God out of a devotion and love for God. Joseph was a good, righteous, godly, and devout man who, the scripture says, was looking forward to the the kingdom of God to come. And what that means is that Joseph was looking for the Messiah to come. He would become a secret disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would be one who would not have consented to the decision or the deed of convicting Jesus in a faulty, false trial, nor the the penalty that would come afterwards that would would lead to his his crucifixion. Joseph, Joseph may have been at the trial, or he may have just not been there at all. Maybe they didn't even invite him because they may have known that he was a secret disciple of Jesus. 
And Joseph may have been at the trial and he may have been at the cross and he watched Jesus die a horrible death. But the thing for Joseph is that he was quiet in both circumstances. He was quiet in the trial. He was quiet before the Sanhedrin. He was quiet as Jesus was on the cross dying. I believe that Joseph loved Jesus very quietly. And he saw him die. And when he saw him die, he was filled with courage and decided that he would now become a public disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, he would, he, and in becoming a public disciple, he would be filled with courage. And he would go and he would bury the Lord in his own tomb. And Joseph would act very quickly and very diligently and very carefully. Jesus died at 3 p.m. on a Friday. And by 6 p.m. it would have been the Sabbath day. The Sabbath would begin. And by 6 p.m. you would not be able to bury someone at the beginning of Sabbath. So Joseph would honor God and honor Jewish law by having the body buried before sundown of the day of the death. Jesus, Joseph knew that he had three hours. Joseph was influential enough to go before Pilate, to go directly to Pilate and ask for the body. And this request would be granted. Now notice this, this is not normal procedure again. That the body would be granted to someone to bury, to take off a cross right away. Because like I shared with you before, the Romans would leave the body of a criminal to be devoured by vultures. To be devoured by vultures. Through Joseph's faith and courage, he saved Jesus from further humiliation in death. Going to Pilate, asking for the body, and then burying the Lord, it took great courage. We think that it was an easy thing. For Joseph, it was a great, courageous act. Because Joseph would no longer be a secret disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would be associated with Jesus. He would go to Pilate directly. Then he would, this would anger the Sanhedrin that, 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 that Joseph would have done this. They might have even have kicked him out of the Sanhedrin. But if anything, if he's touching the body of Jesus and bringing it down from the cross, which we'll see later, it means he can't celebrate Passover. But none of that mattered to Joseph. As a public disciple of the Lord, all he cared about was honoring his Lord. Burying Jesus came at a great cost, both in reputation and in occupation and in money for Joseph. But Joseph was willing to sacrifice it all to give Jesus the best that he could give Jesus in his burial. To give Jesus his best as a place of honor for his Lord to finally be at rest. Joseph may have think he suffered a painful death, painful torture, but he's going to rest in peace, in comfort, in my tomb. But little did Joseph know that the rest would be very short. Because three days later, Jesus would rise. Three days later, he would rise. Joseph had brought the body from the cross to the tomb. And he wrapped Jesus in fine linen with a helper of another secret disciple of Jesus, Nicodemus. And we know Nicodemus from John chapter 3. Nicodemus and, and Joseph 
properly prepared and cleaned and preserved the body with myrrh and alloys and then laid Jesus' body in a very honorable way. And let me tell you this. The scripture says that, that Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of these spices to the, the, the tomb. It was a very costly endeavor, but it did not matter for these men. They gave of their money. They gave of their, their, themselves before the Lord to give the Lord their very best. And then they left Jesus in the tomb. And they dressed him so nice in clean linens and oils and, and spices and preserved him. And I'm sure that Jesus was appreciative. Because when he rose three days later, he wrapped up the linen. He wrapped up the clothes and he left it on the tomb bed. Because he was no longer there. Again, I say to you, what a remarkable thing that Jesus cleans his room when he leaves. And how about this? How, wouldn't it have been awesome? I was thinking about this this morning. A little tangent I might go on. That if Jesus would have written on the wall, Jesus was here. But I'm alive. <laughs> but he didn't do any of those things. He had other more important things to do than that. But again, it's impressive to me, always, the little jewel in scripture, that it says that in the tomb that the clothes and the linen were neatly folded. Neatly folded. What are our applications here for, for Joseph, for us today in the church? Joseph was a secret disciple of the Lord until he stepped out in faith. As a secret disciple, he may have loved and believed in Jesus, but he had no witness and he did not do enough to fulfill the blessing of being Jesus' disciple. How much more could Joseph have experienced? How much more could he have been part of the gospel story if he had participated in and been fruitful in serving the Lord with his life and not been a secret disciple, but one who would follow the Lord publicly? And as Jesus was ministering to the masses, he could have been there ministering as well. If you're a secret follower of Jesus and no one knows you are just benefiting yourself and the benefit to yourself is very limited because you're not being obedient to the Lord he wants so much more for you you will not be blessed if you are a secret disciple but I promise you if you make the public confession of faith and you become a disciple who is serving the Lord publicly you will be blessed by the Lord because you're being obedient to him because you are blessing others and serving others and in doing so you're serving your Lord when you're a secret disciple for however many years it may be what you're doing is you're still serving and feeding yourself but not serving Jesus or serving or feeding others Joseph became a true disciple of Christ when he took the step of faith. God had already called Joseph and given to Joseph great resources and great influence. But it would take a step of faith for Joseph to fulfill his purpose before God. To fulfill the blessing that would be upon his life. Joseph would always be blessed by this action that he did. It was written in the Gospels for all time and for all eternity. How he must have felt when he was able to give that unto the Lord. And in great, so after he, where am I at? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's excited. All right. 
Every watched the injustice of a false trial and crucifixion. Joseph's belief and love of Jesus would compel him to, take, to make a public stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And once the decision was made for him to make the public stand for Jesus and to truly become a disciple who would serve others, the Holy Spirit would move his heart to courage. Because when you take a step of faith and you step out in faith, the Holy Spirit of God gives you courage to do it. The enemy wants to tell you, don't step out in faith. Be afraid. Don't do anything for the Lord. It's okay, the enemy will say. You made your confession of faith before God. It's a private thing. You're guaranteed to go to heaven. What else could there be? Don't go out and serve other people. Don't go out and bless other people. It's it's okay. This is what the enemy's telling you. What the Holy Spirit will tell you is, you take that step of faith, even if you don't think you can, you take that step of faith, and the Holy Spirit will grant you that courage, and will empower you to do the work of God. And you will do great and mighty things for God that you never could have thought you could do, if you're only willing to step out in faith and not be a secret disciple of the Lord. Besides using his resources, Joseph took the time to prepare and to do things right. The preparation for Joseph for the burial of Jesus and the detail that he paid was an act of devotion to his Lord. Within three hours, Joseph made Jesus a priority in his life. His priority was to honor his Lord with the best burial, and he would do so before the Sabbath would come. I want to share this with you as a point. I like the commitment of the day of preparation before the Sabbath. In our freedom in Christ, Christians, have we not diminished our Sabbath? And do we not hold it in the highest priority and in preparation? How prepared are you for your Sabbath day? As Christians, do we have a preparation of our hearts and our lives before we enter into God's house to worship on our Sabbath? Our Sabbath is our Sunday, and our synagogue is our church. So what is your priority and preparation for worship on Sunday at church? What is your priority and your preparation for worship on Sunday at church. If you give high high priority and thoughtfulness preparation before service, maybe you do it in the morning as you're praying or you're listening to music and you're saying, I'm ready for you, Lord. Or even you do it the night before or the day before and you're saying, I'm getting excited about being in the house of the Lord. Let me not let me not watch what I need to watch. Let me not do what I need to do. Let me not have any distractions, but let me prepare myself for entering into the house of the Lord. Let me prepare myself for worship. Let me seek the Lord where he can be found. Let me open up my Bible. Let me enter into prayer and seek repentance for my sin and say, Lord, I know you forgive me. I'm ready to go to your house and to worship you rightly with a good heart. And maybe you do that. And when you do do that, you know that your worship and your fellowship with the Lord is more richly blessed than if you do nothing at all and you come, just come to church. Or maybe even coming to church isn't even as high a priority or preparation for you as going to work on Monday. 
What's a higher priority? Going to work on Monday or going to church on Sunday? What more preparations do you make? Do you prepare your clothes? Do you think about what you have to do on Monday at work? What are your preparations when you go to your job? And what are your preparations when you come to the house of the Lord? Only you can answer that. And let me say this. If your priority and your preparation is, not, is very little and you desire to stay at home and be a secret disciple of the Lord, then you will not be as blessed as you will if you make a public confession. You enter into the house of the Lord with service and sacrifice and you prepare yourself for your Sabbath. My final application from Joseph of Arimathea, the secret disciple who would become a public disciple and who would bless the Lord as none of the other disciples could do. Only Joseph could do this because he had the the influence and the resources to do it. And in doing this, Joseph had a friend who was also a secret disciple of the Lord, a Nicodemus. And they worked together and they served the Lord together. John 19, 38 to 42 says this. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought the mixture of mirth and oil, about 75 pounds of it. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it up with spices in stripes of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Just want to, and just want to share this about another secret disciple. This Nicodemus. Nicodemus joined Joseph to publicly serve the Lord. Nicodemus had had the greatest gift of all. He had met Jesus that night in John chapter 3, and he'd heard from Jesus' own lips John 3.16. He'd heard John 3.16. Can anyone tell for me and confess to me and share with me what John 3.16 says? Anybody want to stand up and say this verse for me right now? Maybe a young person that I know knows this passage. John 3, this is what Nicodemus heard from Jesus as a secret disciple of the Lord who would meet him at night. John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I'll say this to you. I don't know if you're watching the series, The Chosen. But in that episode is tremendous. He says this verse. Nicodemus is blown away. He gets up and then Jesus hugs him. And they depart. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though Nicodemus heard this verse, As so many hear this verse, hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like so many, though, Nicodemus would not leave his life of esteem 
And he would not walk with Jesus even though he was given an invitation to do so. He would not do it. Nicodemus loved his life of honor and his position more than he loved Jesus at that time. But then after the crucifixion, Nicodemus would help Joseph take Jesus' body and prepare it and bury the Lord. It makes sense to me, though, that Nicodemus, with his experience with Jesus, may have witnessed to Joseph and helped Joseph to become a secret disciple of Jesus. And then when it took time, when the time came for the both of them to become public disciples of the Lord and to step out in faith, here's the good news. They did it together. They did it together. Christian, you may, you may have fear about serving the Lord. You may even be a secret disciple. But I'm telling you this. Jesus did not leave you alone. Not only did he give you the Holy Spirit, but he gave you your church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to minister with you, to partner with you in serving the Lord. I believe no one is meant to serve the Lord alone. There's no Lone Ranger Christian. There's no element in, in Christianity and in Jesus' in path that says about go and serve the Lord by yourself. He gave you brothers and sisters in Christ to serve alongside and when you come to the house of the Lord and you have fellowship with your brethren and you say, I want to serve the Lord with them, then it will be much easier for you to not be a secret disciple, but to be a public disciple who ministers to people and is blessed in the endeavor. So who are you? Are you Simon, the stranger who God calls under the hardest of circumstances? And you, you respond to it and you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe God met you, called you, met you in that hardest of times. And then you walked away and you rejected the Lord when he says, come and follow me. Are you that, Simon? Well, the Lord calls you today. He calls you to be his forgiven, his blessed, his saved child of God. One that will become his disciple and one who will be blessed in ministering to others. Because Jesus will use you. If you give your heart and your life to him and you say, Lord, use me, Jesus will use you. God will use you in a mighty way. And the more you offer to him, the more you will be used for his glory and for his purpose. Because Jesus will not go where he is not invited. But you invite him. And you give him more and more, and God will use you greatly. Or are you Joseph, a secret disciple who is only blessing yourself? Are you willing to step out into faith? Are you willing to step out in faith and use what God has given you, whatever it may be, to serve others and to be a blessing to others and to bless yourself? God calls you today to be his believing and serving disciple. Thank the Lord for his call. Thank the Lord for his patience. Thank the Lord for his love. Because I tell you this, God will use you and he wants to use you. You're here today to be a disciple of the Lord who will go and bless others as well as blessing yourself.
I'll ask Elder Jeff if he can close us in a word of prayer. gave your only begotten son that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life father we thank you that invitation goes out to all men father lord and as john said we need to respond lord and we will respond one way or the other father Lord, we pray today that the spirit of god would be moving in the hearts of men lord help those that are disciples to be better disciples to be ones that are brave that put our faith in the power of god to do the work that you've called your children to do lord and those that have no faith father those that are still dead in their trespasses father you'd give them faith lord to become alive in christ to become a new creation father Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this day, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.